not going to lie. I'm like, there's a, a huge part of me that is real fucking terrified about talking about this here and releasing this. You brought it up. I'm not sure I was 100% ready for it, but that's okay because, you know, it's, it's, it is important. The amazing thing about the mushrooms is that they speak. They talk to you. They will answer questions, carry on conversations. Psilocybin just pulls up a chair on the porch and puts its feet up. Hey everyone, welcome back to Psilocybin Says. I'm Eric. I'm Courtney. We're happy to be here with you today. This is going to be an interesting conversation and probably a little bit of a therapy session for me. (laughs) (laughs) Another bonus of having a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, today we're talking about self-image. Um, and uh, yeah, this is something that has been on my mind a lot over, I don't know, the, la- the last few years for sure as I've, as I've put myself out there publicly. And it's probably something that a lot of us are unconsciously thinking about, particularly with the world of social media and we're constantly presenting this image of self to the world mm-hmm. uh, the concept of self-image actually was was popularized by um, Maxwell Maltz in a book he wrote called Psycho Cybernetics I've mentioned this previously My, uh, Maltz was a plastic surgeon and he realized that some of his clients would have drastic improvements in their confidence and success after plastic surgery and some of them didn't and as I've been reading this very interesting book, he talks about how as a plastic surgeon, a lot of times he would talk people out of surgery and talk people into, um, you know, building their self-confidence and helping them see that they were beautiful. There's some really interesting allegories of um, like, for instance, there's someone in the story who was a, um, a fencing, like a, mm-hmm. a fence, sword fencing right. fighter, whatever. <laughs> yeah, they, like the sport. A fencer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't uh, put up fences. No, yeah, but he had a big scar on his face, and he saw that scar as something that made him more handsome because it showed his, um, mm. you know, resilience, whereas someone who had a car wreck and had a similar scar felt like they were, mm. you know, like rejects and, and, nobody, and monsters. Mm-hmm. And in the fencer was a very successful person. He was a very public person. He never had his scar altered. Uh, And then the person who was in the car wreck and had their scar altered didn't change the way that they saw themselves even Mm -hmm. after it was fixed. So uh, this idea of self-image is a, is, is it's not as concrete Mm -hmm. as we may think. Yeah. There's different types of self-image like, you're talking about there's the one that we see in the mirror our Mm. outer image and then there's the one that we see in our mind Mm. uh, which we have the ability to change really at any time yeah within a a moment's notice really Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. Uh, last episode we talked about the six mental faculties that kind of inform our our reality and they they feed really well into this topic um, mm-hmm. Let's see if I can remember uh, the six mental faculties. Well, memory is one of them, and obviously memory informs our self-image because we remember 
how we've been perceived or things that have happened, maybe embarrassing moments or moments of triumph where we're in, in really infusing that sense of success or failure into who we are. Mm-hmm. There is imagination, which you can imagine a different self-image and change your self-image within moments, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, what else do we got here? There's perception. Perception, which is obviously huge, and particularly when you're talking about the the physical self-image, when you look in the mirror, what mm-hmm. do you see, you know, because just like the said, the fencer, you know, yeah. the, guy with the, with the guy with the scar, yeah. he's a handsome man. Uh, you yeah. can always take a little bit different of a perspective on what we see. Yeah. Look yeah, at it from sure. different angles. And we don't have to take other people's perspective, right? It's like I mean, mm-hmm. when I was in second grade, these kids, these eighth graders told me I had big ears, which I really didn't, you know, but they were just picking on me. Mm-hmm. And it literally took me until I was like 16 years old and I saw someone with really big ears. I was like, <laughs> oh, my ears are big. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Relativities cool thing yeah yeah uh let's see what else we got so we got imagination memory perception will so we can will ourselves to have a different image of self that's where i'm at today i'm trying to work on the will yeah we can stay stay focused (laughs) on uh, our priorities and then we got reason reason so we can reason our Uh self-image how do you understand that i see reason as a way to ask ourselves questions like mm. is this true um you know like i see the scar on me as one thing but you know is this is this something that i can change how can i change it should i get plastic surgery to change it mm-hmm. um how, how can i impact this um, just asking questions right. about yeah. that and that ability to, to do that. Right. And then the last intuition is intuition. Hmm. Yeah. This is interesting. interesting. How does it feed into self image? We intuitively know how we feel about ourself mm-hmm. and the image that we have. Or we can intuit what others think about us, you know, or uh-huh. how, how we are perceived. I mean, because what other people see and say about us is a, a huge factor of our self-image we probably give it more weight than it should carry mm-hmm. you know uh, and when somebody yeah when somebody says something about us that is that doesn't feel good our gut if we really are still we can intuit that yeah. they might be saying that for a, a reason that's not really about us mm-hmm. i like thinking about uh, the facts versus opinions in that it's a fact that you have the scar on your face. Mm -hmm. It's an opinion that it makes you a certain way. Mm -hmm. I'm interested right now how as a, as a mother, as a nursing mother in particular, you know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of a thing now, right? People are like shaming or there's, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever people can have a, have a, you gotta have a, booth to go nurse a baby now you know whereas you could used to build it you know we saw mm-hmm. this at the airports and whatnot yeah um, so like right now like you have a good example or a good instance of how what's going on with you can impact your self-image mm-hmm. usually it's a visible thing right mm-hmm. you're here being recording yourself 
nobody can see you, so you're not concerned with what people are thinking as they look at you. But but can you hear me? You can hear. <laughs> can you hear the sucking? Can you hear in the background? And the gas passing <laughs> of the baby, not yeah, me. Yeah, so I, I mean, I'm interested in if, if that is consciously effect, uh, impacting your self-image right now. I love this question. I think about this time when our first child, uh, shortly after our first child was born, and we were at a some type of outdoor festival or concert or something, mm-hmm. and I was standing in the back of the crowd and I was holding him and nursing him just had my top lifted up just enough to, you know, for him to get that grip. Mm. And, um, I wasn't really thinking much about it. I had been nursing him for, I guess he was maybe six months old or something. And I wasn't thinking much about it at all. And then a woman came up to me and she had tears in her eyes and she said, I need to tell you that you have made my my day and like I never had the courage hmm. to nurse my child in public and it held me back from breastfeeding hmm. him and ultimately I just switched to formula because it was so I felt so much shame mm. around nursing mm. in public wow. and I felt so guilty about that for so long and like I want to have another child and this I just have never seen a woman nursing in public like you're in the, in an open field mm-hmm. <laughs> just swaying to the music and so confident and I I need to thank you wow. because you've inspired me that's a great example of how you know someone had their self-image impacted by the judgments of others and then mm-hmm. they took that and used it to impact your self-image positively. Yeah. It's so wonderful. So, you know, the realization that we have a uh, an influence over the self-image of others doesn't have to be. It can be like a really a great thing. We can actually help people feel really good about themselves instead of, you know, what is seems very common anyway uh, if mm-hmm. you're in the public eye. There's always a uh, faction of people that want to, you know, negatively impact your self-image. Yeah. So this has me wondering for you. I mean, I we've been through so much together mm. in our lives. So I can think of a handful of uh, instances where other people's self-images were projected onto you in mm. your works. Mm-hmm. Um mm. Is there a time that you can think of being in somewhat of a fringe profession that someone had ideas about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting, though, that actually it didn't come from the fringes. It came from within the community itself, the psychedelic community itself. Um, You know, when I started doing the retreats in Jamaica, uh, it took an enormous amount of courage for me to do that because I'm just this country boy from Kentucky that doesn't have any, you know, whatever background in therapy or, you know, deep sciences. I've, you know, I've got a master's mm-hmm. degree in education and I've been a mushroom forager for a very, very long time before I started working with psychedelics or publicly. Uh, I worked with psilocybin for almost 12 years before I took my work public. And it was a huge leap, you know, for me to do that as, as the first, 
like the first real public, I don't know, whatever, not professional because there were many, but like the first self, I, I feel like I was one of the first self-taught mm-hmm. professionals that went mm-hmm. public. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, that whole psychedelics today statement came out, you know, mm-hmm. they came down to Jamaica and we had an experience that, uh, <laughs> my perception of it there on the ground was very different than it was portrayed six months after the actual mm-hmm. experience. And, uh, that did a real number on my self image because when you're working, you know, with psychedelics in such a, you know, you're taking people into such a vulnerable place, you need them to trust you. And when you're working with strangers that are coming from around the world, you know, the only thing they have to, to, to base their considerations about you on is what's in the media, you Mm -hmm. know, and some of that is self, uh, promoted, you know, you get a website Mm -hmm. and and whatnot. And then you have, you know, people who have the authority of some kind of media outlet. And so I took a big, big gamble taking them down there and, or, you know, inviting them down there and, and, uh, treating them well there. And like I said, the, it was portrayed very differently than how it was experienced, mm-hmm. um, at least <laughs> in my perspective. And so that did a real number on my self-image. And uh, it's something that I'm actually still working through because that that's actually, you know, that's out there forever. And people keep, mm-hmm. people still refer to it. People mm-hmm. ask me about it still. That was mm-hmm. like, you know, five years ago. And in those instances, you know, you don't get a chance to, portray yourself you've just got somebody out there that's mm-hmm. saying a thing and then you've got to I don't know defend it or talk about it yeah it had a, it had a big impact on me and it still does I'm here today kind of going through some self-image stuff I uh you know without going into too much detail but it's a constant thing for everybody right there's always things that come up that cause you to question yourself there are people who will say things about you Sometimes they're true, and sometimes they're not true. Sometimes they're exaggerations of the truth. If you are a public, courageous person, then you've got to be able to, to deal with that. I, we are, you know, marginal in more ways than one. Uh, psychedelics are not the only part of our life that a lot of people don't understand, and mm-hmm. that can be made into a target. I think one of the things that we have to remember is that just like this instance that I'm referring to, the people, people when they are criticizing or complimenting your image, maybe all of it, but definitely a significant portion of it is an attempt for them to impact their own image of self, right? Mm Mm-hmm, right. Uh, so, you know, if someone's critical of you, I think that I tend to think that says much more about the critic than it has to say about the person being criticized. Go right. Ahead, yeah. That's what I found really interesting about the psychedelics today statement and um, working through that together mm-hmm. is that it it made us ultimately almost immediately a lot stronger from the way I see it, because mm-hmm. it really forced us to get even more clear 
about who we are Mm -hmm. and what we do Mm -hmm. and not only to ourselves um, but also to our clients and our prospective clients Mm -hmm. and the people that reached out to us about that statement which was a lot of people Mm -hmm. we developed an even stronger relationship with those people I mean I talked to people for a long time on the phone that I got to know really well and they were like oh my god like of course I feel comfortable coming here like Mm -hmm. I just got the opportunity I don't think I I may not have even come if it wasn't for this uh like reaching out and talking about this statement but Mm -hmm. now after talking with you I'm even more confident than before I even saw this statement because Mm -hmm. now I like I just feel how your commitment to this work and um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it really it strengthened uh, that within the services that we offered. Mm. And I learned a lot about self-image there and that just because someone sees something uh, in us, like you're saying, it doesn't mean that it's true for us. Mm-hmm. It is true for, for them mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in that moment. Through that perception. Through that per- particular perception. Uh, but yeah, that doesn't mean it has to be true for us. Mm-hmm. We have the ability to accept or reject uh, those ideas mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that they have. Uh, and there's plenty of misunderstandings all the time. Like all of us are working through misunderstandings about ourselves, the paradigms that we've developed in our childhood that have come from God knows where our parents our grandparents, Mm -hmm. their culture, their society, town, everything. And we're just always in this process of using our mental faculties to figure out what the fuck is real and how we think about things. Courageous people really give a great opportunity for other people to better understand themselves. Yeah, because, I mean, that's really what it's all about. We're trying to get to our most authentic self right yeah and for me and I know for both of us our relationship since we met eight years ago was not of the normal (laughs) normally accepted Mm -hmm. types Mm -hmm. yeah Um, you know the criticisms like you like it's it's funny you brought that up because as you were talking about the criticisms making us stronger as a working team Mm -hmm. you know some of the some of the mud that's been slung at us because of our relationship has made us stronger uh, yeah. from, from that perspective. We put a lot of careful and loving thought <laughs> into the choices that we make for ourselves and our family. Mm-hmm. And this was uh, a big part of us meeting and having conversations about our ideas of partnership mm-hmm. and life and um, sexual interactions and like, what is that for us? And like, we talked so much about that Mm -hmm. when we first met and it's never, the conversation has been ongoing. Mm -hmm. You know, we've made the decision to be courageous and communicate about our feelings, Mm -hmm. uh, and desires and be open to exploration of those feelings and desires. And, I feel really fortunate to have found a partner who's willing to do that with me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've gotten to know myself and what I think about myself uh, in the world. 
I mean, that was like probably when it comes to self-image and and still is, um, it's it's enormous, right? We're just coming into this some form of maturity around sexual self-image, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. it was the 80s that public homosexuals were condemned. I mean, like in yeah, the, that in, was no time in ago. the 80s. Yeah, I mean, I uh, remember that artist that I worked with down there who was one of the first gay rights advocates in the 80s, and he told me some horror stories of what he went through in trying to help people through the AIDS crisis and whatnot. And, mm-hmm. you know, for me... I have had just enormous struggles through my life um, because of the criticisms that were put on my openness to non-monogamy from, you know, earlier relationships that I was in Mm -hmm. to my family, to my friends. You know, I've had, I have had so many friends, both male and female, tell me, like, well, you're just a fucking glut or you're just like, you know, whatever. You're just trying to get yours or, you yeah. know, like you just want to just have all these women. And like it's taken some real serious introspection for me to continue to fine tune that image of self and that knowledge of self. And, yeah, you know, finally coming. Thank thank God for for you and being able to explore you know my true nature my just my nature without judgment and coming to to know that like I have an enormous heart I love so much and Mm -hmm. you know I'm not like I'm not some philanderer I don't have like a bunch of women and I don't like go we get prostitutes and but yeah like I fall in love sometimes and it seemed it it is an injustice to love to not engage with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so funny to me. Uh, like when you said, I've, you know, had so many friends that say like, you know, what's wrong with you? Like you're, this is like a, a non-ethical way of living mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. those same people are, cheating on their spouses oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like no, time and yeah. time again or we've miserable seen, and talking about how miserable or being are. cheated on yeah. uh or yeah miserable and addict sometimes addicted to porn and oh, God, like yeah, porn yeah and yeah. not willing to have honest conversations with their partner about any of this mm-hmm. uh and time and time again us personally and society as a whole look at how many marriages end in divorce because of one of the people quote unquote cheating, um, mm. oh, on the other and not being honest. And, and so for me, that's like, that's what brought me to, to ask like big questions, use my mental faculties mm. to really consider like, how am I, how am I creating um, an image around my relationships, uh, my partnerships for my children and their children? Mm -hmm. And that's a really important question for me. And as, as we've explored that together, I've learned so much about what I really think of myself and jealousy. And what is that? Um, You know, when we get jealous, 
what is that? Mm-hmm. It's, you know, ultimately a reflection of how we see ourselves. That's been, I've never been more confident than I am today mm-hmm. in my life because of the ability to have those conversations with you um, and us being like just fiercely courageous and honest with each other. And we've certainly, yeah, we make mistakes. We're discovering ourselves and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, but I know, I know like that because we can be honest with each other, then like we know at least those mistakes, like they're like sincere. They're not like hiding or dece- it's not a deception, mm-hmm. right? It's not a deception. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. So like, um, you know, I have, I, it's, it's, uh, this is such a weird and hard thing to talk about and, it's uh, I guess I, I guess I'm glad that we are. It's the first time that I've ever publicly talked about this. Really, you know, I'm, right now I'm reflecting on my self image and how people are going to perceive me mm-hmm. after having this conversation. Because, like I said, so many times when I brought this up, men and women alike have told me just you know what a bastard I am. You know, despite the fact that like you and I may engage in a you know relationship with someone else mm-hmm. uh, or you know, I'm. There have been times when I've had a relationship outside of ours mm-hmm. necessarily, um, and there are, are people who have criticized you. I mean, you and know. there's also a lot of people that have told me, "Damn, you are so courageous!" Like I, I can, I can logically understand this, but emotionally, I can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Like people. Some of my closest friends have told me over and over, I wish I could do that. But mm. I even the thought of engaging in that type of relationship mm-hmm. um, terrifies me to my core. But it's only through <laughs> us being able to have this kind of this, these real conversations and, you know, explore what it is that we really want that, you know, I have been able to come to the place where I'm at today of, you know, knowing that like whatever relationship I'm in this family you and I our relationship is going to be the center of it yeah I mean we have you know our values stay intact no matter what the ability to be honest about our feelings provides a safe container for doing so Mm -hmm. that way as we explore our desires, we can better get feedback from each other. Like, Mm -hmm. I think you're getting off track here. Mm -hmm. Like, I think, you know, maybe this is, this is something that's not contributing towards Mm -hmm. our top values Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. family, Mm -hmm. um, service, you know, community. Is that a yes or a no Mm -hmm. in pursuing this specific desire Yeah, that allows us to, that gives us a great opportunity to reframe our self image by being open to those conversations, you know, in relationships, I mean, sex is obviously such a huge element of partnerships, mm-hmm. uh, romantic partnerships, husband and wife, wife and wife, husband, 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 wife, husband, husband, wife, 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 yeah. yeah. And it's really cool like that we're talking about this because I know there's going to be so many people that listen and are like, thank God somebody's talking about this. Like a lot of people are so scared. I mean, um, I 
when you open up about something and you're courageous, you find out how many people are also thinking the same thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, um, I, I would love to be able to uh, contribute to a positive self-image for for everybody, really, because I have been such a critical person. I, I grew up in a very critical environment. I, cr- I was very hypercritical of my first son. I'm seeing now how negatively that Im- Im- impacted him. It, that has been a struggle for me, self-image-wise. I've, you know, questioned my validity as a father and whatnot. Am I, am I capable, of, capable of being a good father? You know, that's what I'm going through in large part right now. Is this kind of, you know, there be someone there if there's there's if there's criticism against me because of my relationship style, you know, and mm-hmm. our our lifestyle together. Uh, that impacts me enormously because because it impacts you. That's that's why because it impacts my family. You know, when someone, if, if especially when you're you know somewhat of a public figure, I guess I can consider myself that these days. And when someone criticizes you in that context, then you can't help but consider how that impacts your family and the people who are immediately around you mm-hmm. and you know I'm, I'm i'm not gonna lie i'm like there's a a huge part of me that is rough fucking terrified about talking about this here and releasing this because you know sanctuary we're starting sanctuary and i'm sure there will be people that are trying to you know write this off as some kind of i don't know fucking psychedelic sex cult and i'm just like I just, I'm, ter- I, I, I am, yeah. I'm, ter- yeah, I know. I'm, I'm terrified. I'm, I, there's I a part of me that is fucking terrified of having to defend this thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you brought it up. I'm not sure I was a hundred percent ready for it, but that's okay. Cause you know, it's, it's, it is important because there are so many people out there who are waking up to the reality that the imposed paradigm around monogamy is an imposed paradigm Mm -hmm. the human beings for the vast majority of human beings are not monogamous and if they do that because if they're if they're if they express that through you know divorces or cheating or porn because like you can't tell me that somebody that is only having sex with their wife but is watching porn whatever one day a month i don't give a shit how little is that's not monogamy it's not. You are mm-hmm. you are putting your sexual energy into a fucking stranger, actually. Yeah. You know, into somebody that there's no emotional connection to. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've I've long maintained that having a ethical, honest, non-monogamous relationship is better for the soul of humanity than watching porn mm-hmm. once a fucking month or once a year. I don't. You know, just at all. Yeah. Yeah. And it's. It's so relevant to psychedelics like this conversation because we're still we're living in a time where there's groundbreaking research going on around MDMA, psilocybin and how it can drastically improve the quality of someone's life Mm -hmm. and help them cope with really scary stuff, Mm -hmm. Um, end of life situations and death of people close to them and help them heal from traumatic experiences in their past and yet this is still these things these plants are still schedule one substances Mm -hmm. and 
we we see very clearly when we look at that that having such harsh um um, how do I want to say this consequences Mm -hmm. for exploration? Mm -hmm. Uh, it gets us nowhere. How many lives could have been saved and how many, just the quality of life as the world as a whole, how much could have that, could that have been improved Mm -hmm. at this point by, um, allowing for exploration. And when we don't, we have people hiding, we have dangerous situations, uh, coming up like you know people finding some sketchy person to get psychedelics from and god knows how they were Mm -hmm, grown mm -hmm. or what kind of intentions have been put into them and then they're in their basement tripping and end up going to the hospital because Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, they're not mm -hmm, supported mm because they don't feel like they can call anybody and ask for support um so true and and how many marriages could have been saved by some you know honest ethical non-monogamy you know yeah. being fucking real yeah totally yeah. and like it's family societal because of it. stigma mm-hmm. like as well um around this that how many times have i felt like i'd really love to be able to have a conversation with my family my friends about this particular uh question i'm having in our relationship exploring mm-hmm. uh in the certain way Mm -hmm. and i bring it up and i just the emotional fear around exploring it Mm -hmm. is so heavy that it's hard to find support around it and from therapists (laughs) as well (laughs) their majority of therapists are they're dealing with their own fears Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. that they're projecting as well so when you know when you had your first, um, I don't know, experiences with women, you know, how, how did you kind of manage that from a self-image perspective? Did you hide it from friends and family or how open were you with that? Well, I don't, I, I don't feel like I was hiding it. I mean, first of all, I am extremely fortunate to have the uh, parents that I have mm-hmm. who have always yeah. been yeah. their number one priority has been uh, lifting me up yeah. and giving helping remind me of the beautiful person I am parents and empowering such, me to oh. do whatever leads me there to uh, like just a happy and fulfilling life so I am extremely fortunate that I I feel like I don't have to hide mm-hmm. almost anything from my parents they know everything about, I mean, not the details of our <laughs> sex life. <laughs> My yeah. God, we're not that open. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Let's make that clear. Right. Yeah. But generally speaking, they know our lifestyle and see how how good, how well we take care of each other and how well we communicate. No, I didn't like run and tell them about the first experience I had with a woman, nor did I do that with my first experience with a man, but, Mm. um, I certainly felt more resistance. I mean, I don't, I never talked about that with them specifically. Mm. Uh, like here's this person that Mm -hmm. I'm friends with. Mm -hmm. And by the way, we're also like exploring Mm. our sexuality together. Mm. I, I was definitely nervous and, um, yeah, hesitant 
to go there. You know, now they know uh, that I have had those explorations mm-hmm. and desires. With the, with that solid foundation and self image that you mm-hmm. have from your parents, you're so fortunate to have yeah. from your parents. You know, yeah. It sounds like you were a little more well adjusted and more accepting of yourself when you did like start to, you know, realizing realize that you wanted to explore other mm-hmm. ways. Yeah, and that's that's really amazing. And and what that sorry, I, I'm, I interrupted you a minute ago, but that's what I was trying to say is like how how much of an, a responsibility parents have mm-hmm. to the self image of their children. And I know that again, like I said, I make tons of mistakes, and some of the mistakes that I've made have been <laughs> lots of mistakes I've made have been with my children. Uh, and my first son, I I didn't have that um, awareness of how I was impacting his image of self through my criticism and if I could go back and do anything over it would be just that just like reminding him how awesome he is all the time mm-hmm. and that everybody makes mistakes instead of being like you know you should do this differently you should do that I was raised in a very critical environment um, hence I was very afraid or I, I, my self-image was drastically impacted uh, by all that when I started working with psychedelics and when I started you know being really um, open about my um, needs in terms of you know r- relationships it was it was really really hard on my image of self and I think that's in large part why I still struggle with it today everybody wants their parents to be proud of them period mm-hmm. if they're not then like that that's it's gonna have an impact you know mm-hmm. so I'm really I'm really grateful to your parents for positively impacting your self-image. It does seem like having the public eye on you yeah. has been a little more difficult in terms yeah. of self-image. So can you talk about that? When um, you say that, what does something particular come to mind? Uh, well, I mean, you know, we've talked about our, this this very topic, we've talked about this, our, our relationship and how we've been concerned with how the public would respond to uh, you know, an open admission about yeah. our relationship and uh, yeah. Yeah. So my f- my fears around that boil down to um, really a fear of not being given a platform to speak. Mm. You know, people can say all they want to say. Ultimately, we're all projecting mm-hmm. on each other. Yeah. Um. <laughs> However, as you said earlier, my family is my number one value. Mm -hmm. Every decision I make, every single one, Mm -hmm. I ask myself, how does this impact my family? Mm -hmm. What are the implications of this decision and how will it impact my family? Mm -hmm. Fortunately, we're living in a time where we have people like Caitlyn Jenner. I mean, 10 years ago. Okay, I mean, there's still for a lot of people that's not okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's a real like bad thing. But look, I mean, look at her go. Like she's Mm. her opinion is featured constantly, Mm. Uh, and she had the courage to come out with it, Mm -hmm. and has empowered so many people to at least ask the question: Mm -hmm. Is this? is this for me? Like, how do I feel around this? And Mm -hmm. that's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Just having the ability 
to explore uh, and, you know, do no harm. Like that's, that's ultimately what we want to do is have the ability to explore and help be of service Mm -hmm. to others. Mm -hmm. It's a journey in figuring out how to do that. So it's more for me about, yes, how people think of me. That's important to me. It's important because I want to be of service to people and I can't Mm -hmm. be of service if people don't respect me. I mean, that's what it comes back to. So so I I know people get the wrong ideas Mm -hmm. about things and that's, that's my, my focus is like, I just want to be understood. Like I want, I don't want there to be a miscommunication, uh, or a misunderstanding. And that's inevitable. That's going to happen, especially with people who are doing things that haven't been done Mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. This is a topic in the psychedelic arena and the professional psychedelic world, uh, that is not talked about yet. Uh, relationships, sex, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. psychedelics, no, and I mean, even even like you brought up earlier, uh, you know, MDMA and things being used in the therapeutic sense, and yeah, you know, like one of the reasons psychedelics are so effective is because they dissolve boundaries, and one of the effects of dissolves of boundaries dissolving is openness, and you know, our sex life has been very positively impacted by our use with psychedelics mm-hmm. right i mean we've had some amazing connections with our between ourselves and and with other people mm-hmm. at, at times and not while on psychedelics but yeah. you know that boundary dissolving lasts for for can last forever it's it's going to be interesting to watch this unfold because there there is 100% a real reason why the 60s during that original psychedelic revolution were, you know, free love. Like yeah. People were doing LSD <laughs> like a lot. Yeah. And they were opening up and they were beginning to understand that these boundaries and these taboos that we put on ourselves, we put on ourselves. And this is a collective self image mm-hmm. that doesn't have to be static yeah you know so yeah this is such a big conversation oh, we have yeah, to get more comfortable well and here talking where, about I, this and, and what i want to say is that what you the the other part that you brought into that people presenting your perspective without giving you a platform or the pot or the opportunity to present your perspective right you know and that's where it really is again with psychedelics today that was the problem with me is that there's this like perspective that was presented about me um that i didn't have a chance to comment on mm-hmm. you know it's like just here this is you've got this information you think that it's unbiased or you're just getting one side of it and and that's all there is and then you're now limited in your ability to help people because someone has put forth a perspective about you that is that's biased i am involved with psilocybin because I want to help people have a better life because I want to improve the quality of life on this planet that can be limited by the way that I am portrayed by others but the only thing that can balance that out the only thing that can offset the portrayal of others 
is the image that I have of myself. Right. The way that we think of ourselves, the image that we have of ourselves is so much more important than how other people see us. Because if you are living a good life, if you are living a true and honest life of helping people and improving the quality of the lives of the people that you're in service to, Mm -hmm. then that's going to be seen. Yeah. Right? And you're going to be able to carry yourself in a dignified manner. That doesn't mean you're going to not going to have moments where you go through dips and you feel like you question, are the things that people are saying about me true? You know, am I, am I really a bad person? Yeah, that's a really important part about an aspect in developing a healthy self-image is allowing yourself to ask questions like that. Mm-hmm. Sit with yourself and just feel what comes up. Yeah, ask questions not only to yourself, but to the people that are closest to you, uh, which, you know, comes back to our relationship and being willing to have open honest conversations because if you're having feelings that you are terrified to talk to me about then you probably won't ever talk with me about them Mm -hmm. and they'll ruminate Mm -hmm. inside Mm -hmm. you and that's toxic I mean that's disease Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. not what we're going for we're going for like a free-flowing energetic system in ourselves and our family and um, community lifting each other up, allowing ourselves to be open. And especially as leaders, mentors, facilitators, coaches, business owners, Mm -hmm. we are human and we need to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. We need to ask ourselves questions Mm -hmm. about how we're living our lives and reevaluate and accept that we failed in this area or that area Mm -hmm. and be allowed to talk about it that makes us a better leader when Mm. we're honest Mm. with ourselves, Mm -hmm. the people we love Mm -hmm. our community, because everybody's out there living life terrified about this thing or that thing based Mm -hmm. on some belief that they have. When we feel like we can't talk about it and explore it, then, you know, that's when people get hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely. And oftentimes unnecessarily, if we would have just been willing to have a, open loving conversation about this question we have Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. about ourselves in the world and your self-image will improve drastically when you have those conversations because yeah like you're moving through it it's it's scary to have it first and there's an adjustment period but you can know that you're living a true life you're living an authentic life and what is more what builds the self-image better than being authentic yeah. That doesn't mean there's not going to be at times, again, that come up where you're like wondering, okay, am I a bad person or is there something wrong with me? But if you continue to stay true to yourself and you stay authentic, then you will come to know that like this is the best thing that I can do for the world. This mm-hmm. is how I can bring the most healing to the world. Yeah. And, and it, it allows us as uh, support persons, and even if you're not a leader or coach or mentor or whatever um, in your profession – you are that in your everyday life mm-hmm, to your mm-hmm, peers mm-hmm. and your children and even your elders. I guess one of the last things that I want to bring into this is that just to reiterate, if I haven't said enough already, and I'm saying it like as it is my therapy session, but I want to say this to people that are listening here. The things that people say about you 
are more a reflection of their self-image than they are of you. And the things that you say about others are a reflection of your self-image. So you can improve your self-image by saying good things about other people, by being kind to other people. Yes. I love that concept of leaving the impression of increase wherever Mm -hmm. we go. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because the more that we practice seeing the spirit the ineffable that's in the person that can't see it in their in themselves mm-hmm. and the more we practice seeing that light mm-hmm. in another person the easier it gets to see it in ourselves mm-hmm. and that's that's just such a beautiful thing yeah i guess i'd like to say that uh psychedelics today is doing great work they're really helping to spread valuable information and they've given me some variable very valuable feedback that has allowed me to really assess my true nature and it's been you know this has been years I've went through some pretty tough moments with that Um, and there have been other contributing voices to that course I can honestly say and it's and it's only because of the place that I'm in now about myself and, and accepting myself and knowing knowing that I'm a I am a damn good person I love people I take care of people there are people who will misportray me and that's fine that's about that's 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 what they're saying about themselves uh and so i'm in a place now that i can say that even my critics and even the people who have attempted to limit my ability to be of service thank you because you've done me a world of good in so many ways that i could not have seen in the moment yeah i love that Thank you for being vulnerable today. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Diving in there for. (laughs) Hey, Eric, what do you want to deal with today? What would you like to expose today? How would you like to cut yourself open today? (laughs) Yes, by doing that, you've definitely helped me uh, allow myself to be vulnerable and the people listening. So, for those of you listening, we invite you to move forward today and in your week and have this be uh, just something that you can come back to in the midst of a challenge or maybe and even when you're in the midst of a success and a celebration like remembering the light within you how valuable it is to see yourself and others in a positive light if this conversation has been inspirational to you and you feel like maybe you know us a little bit better and that's what it really takes for you to want to work with somebody. I mean, we are doing this podcast because we really want to help spread some really valuable information, um, but we want to help people directly. So if you'd like to work with us directly and explore the ways that you can improve your self image and the ways that you can be a more authentic person in the world. And particularly if you want to, explore that through the lens of psilocybin and other psychedelics then reach out to us at more than integration directly courtney at more than integration.com and eric at more than integration.com we're about to launch an exciting program that uh, is going to benefit a lot of people and if you'd like to be on that list yeah just get us shoot us an email eric or courtney at more than integration yeah and you can go to more than integration.com and input your name and email address and we'll make sure to let you know uh, when the programs are rolling out and bonuses and offerings uh, for those first participants that sign up yeah we're really excited about this the website will be out soon it's just a landing page for now 
But anyway, uh, hopefully this conversation has been helpful for you all out there. It's definitely helped me immediately. I can feel a drastic difference in how I felt about myself going into this podcast as to how I feel coming out of it. Me too. Uh, so that is a, I think that's a real telltale sign on uh, how important and impactful it is to have some real direct conversations, authentic and vulnerable conversations around the self-image and who it is that you want to be in this world. Yes, totally. Our next episode, we're talking about confidence. <laughs> so that rolls in very nicely. Right, yeah. All right, till next time. Till next time. And the 